Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Angry Environmentalist. In today's episode, we have a guest speaker from the nonprofit Wolves of the Rockies. She is here to discuss what is currently happening out west in terms of the Yellowstone wolves being hunted and why wolves are so crucial to an ecosystem. I love this organization as they educate and advocate for the protection of wolves in Yellowstone National Park and the Rocky Mountains. I definitely urge you to check out their website after the episode, and I'll include a link to their website in the episode's description. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest speaker, Kim Bean from Wolves of the Rockies. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for inviting me. Thank you so much for coming. I'm so happy that you're here and here to educate good. us. Good, good, good. Yeah, well, I hope I can uh, give you everything you, you're, you're looking for, for sure. There's a lot going on. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, we'll get into this right now and we'll get into some of the questions and hopefully we can educate people about what's happening with the wolves. So to start out, we'll get into why they're so crucial, but can you tell us what's currently happening to the Yellowstone wolves? Uh, yeah, I mean, if I had to put it in one sentence and then go from there, it's an absolute war on our Yellowstone wolves. There is an absolute war from the states of Montana and Idaho and Wyoming, and they're creating havoc. It's, it's devastating. To put it in a, a nutshell, we are now down to 94. That is a huge, huge, huge number, uh, um, percentage loss, if you want to look at it. It's never happened since the reintroduction from 1995. We've never lost this many wolves. 20 of those wolves uh, we can definitely account for in hunting. We've lost one complete pack. The Phantom Lake pack has completely been uh, decimated. Um, we've lost seven of those uh, of our, our famed Junction Butte pack wolves. Seven. I mean, it's literally what, I think there were 24 in the pack, uh, which is a large pack. When you take key key members of any family away, I mean, if we, we were trying to uh, um, humanize this or anthropomorphize this, you know, when you take key members away, what happens to your family? You know, and I think we have to recognize that. Um, and so it's, it's absolutely horrific what people are doing. And when I say people, I mean hunters, outfitters, state government agencies. It, it's, it's powerful in many ways. We're, we're killing science. We're killing uh, economies. You know, that's what they're doing. And these guys are standing right along the invisible boundaries of Yellowstone National Park with horseback. They're baiting them out of the park because law has been passed where you can bait wolves. They can hunt dens now. I mean, that's put that into a perspective, you know, I mean, think that through a little bit. Um, they can night hunt using um, night optics. They can uh, now, you know, like I said, baiting is huge. Now they've introduced snaring, you know, leg hold traps and things like that were not good enough for these people. And if you look up um, things like jellyhead, uh, when it comes to snaring, it's the most disturbing thing you'll ever see. Um, these trappers will tell you that snaring kills them right away. That's a lie. Probably 50% of the wolves that get snared uh, linger. And if you can think about cutting off your airways a little bit, but you know, all that blood that just goes to your head will just, you know, your head explode. It just, it's disturbing in horrible ways. But anyway, ethics are gone. This is just an outright, um, as I always say, the proverbial middle finger to the fed um, with the Yellowstone wolves, with our park wolves uh, in, in this area and um, absolute decimation. The plan is literally to kill as many as they can. You know, I just actually just got a note. The Phantom Lake pack that was just killed off completely, they've killed seven of them. 
So once that pack is, you know, the majority are taken out, the dispersion happens and then they create problems because now you've got lone wolves out there trying to fend for themselves and survive. So this is not, this is not science-based. This is, this is pure hatred and by people who just want to be the only predator, so to speak, on the landscape. So sad. I, I have no words for it. There's no reason for it. There's no, like you said, there's no science to support that this is helpful in any way. <laughs> no, we had, uh, it took us uh, quite a while um, along the northern boundaries of Yellowstone National Park. It's uh, the northern boundary is where Lamar Valley, which we call the uh, Serengeti of the lower 48. I mean, literally, when you drive out into Lamar, it's just this vast, beautiful area. And when you drive out there, you'll see elk, you'll see deer, you'll see antelope, you'll see everything, coyotes and badgers and, you know, bears and black bear and grizzly bear and wolves. I mean, it's just this amazing, amazing place, right? It's a complete ecosystem. And it's phenomenal. Well, Lamar Valley and the park boundary kind of abut each other. And that's where a lot of our wolves are at, is in Lamar, because of the abundance of uh, um, sustenance. And with that creates a problem. Well, we had uh, back in 2009, when they first opened up hunting, it was one quick day. There was a, a wolf pack called the Cottonwood Pack. And the Cottonwood Pack barely stepped over that invisible line and the entire pack was decimated. That fast. Gone. Hunters knew it. The outfitters knew it. They knew where they were at because we have outfitters all the way around that area. And they're a big chunk of our problems that we're seeing going forward. Uh, they're a big problem for our park wolves. But the, dead, the uh, cottonwood pack was killed. Well, that brought about the uh, uh, wolf management unit 316, which helped to keep hunters from killing off these wolf packs, right? So this was back in 2009, 2010, they put this together uh, and, and we had a, uh, I can't even remember what the, you know, these, they had a quota of like seven or nine. I can't even remember, it's been so doggone many years. But anyway, fast forward to 2012 when the famed 06 was killed. And I mean, you know, these horrible things occurred. 06 was killed, we lost seven colored wolves. I mean, it was, it was bad enough. We thought that was horrendous until today. But we were able to get a wolf management unit now called 313, which abuts 316 in that northern range and kind of carries out that length of the park. Over the years, we were able to lower those quotas in both units. So hunters up until this year were able to kill only one wolf in 313 and one in 316. Due to the change in government in the state of Montana, which is all about killing everything, they took those quotas away. They're completely gone. And now it's kill as much as you want. And they're doing a really good job of it. Um, and the reason why they still won't give us the reasoning why they took 313 and 316 away, because there's no science to it. There's no predation. These animals aren't killing anybody's, you know, they're not going out and, and killing cattle and sheep or anything like that. There, so it's literally just because they can. So this is where we're, we're, we're scared to death because we've still got, you know, in Montana, we, we've still got up until the end of March for hunting season. And then they can quote unquote reevaluate and extend or stop. We have a pretty good feeling they'll extend it because that's their, you know, the premise. Idaho on that side, they've killed, you know, and this is abutting Yellowstone. So there's two wolves that we know of that have been killed in Idaho from the Beckler Creek Pact. And they, uh, 
you know, there are over 500 wolves just in the state so far that they've already killed. Wyoming's killed two of our Yellowstone Park wolves that we know of, and that's from our Wapiti Lake pack. That's my favorite pack and their lineage that goes back from the canyons and the, uh, the Hayden Valley pack, which I've known and hiked with and backpacked with back in the day and come very, very attached to them when they get to Lamar and they get into Yellowstone and they're able to watch them and, and see them. Wow, that's, that's super awesome. I, I hope to have that experience when I do my thesis. But it, it's really unique that you get this experience with the wolves that no one else really gets. The visitors don't get. You get to really meet the packs, each individual wolf pack, and learn so much about them. And I, I hope to do that as well. But with those experiences, like you mentioned, come the heartache and the heartbreak when one of those wolves are hunted or the pack is decimated. So I, I see both sides, the excitement of this job and then the hardship of, again, losing some, like losing an animal that you've been tracking and watching for years. Yeah, so Yellowstone is literally just, it's... It's a war. It's being decimated. We're scared to death about what's going to happen going forward simply because, you know, the loss of these lives, obviously, but there's a whole lot. I mean, you're looking at, um, you know, wolves bring in well over $35 million a year for the area, right? Economically speaking, that's a big chunk of cash and keeps these economies going. Yellowstone National Park alone is $640 million a year for the economy in these areas. So, you know, just economically speaking, if we have to get dry on that, that's a big impact. But truthfully, science, the amount of the amount of information that Doug Smith and the Wolf Project of Yellowstone National Park, the amount of information, that, the things we've learned um, about wolves, how they, you know, how they act, how they react, how they hunt, how they live, how they are as a family unit. So the, the science base, and the sociology of wolves, we've learned so much from Yellowstone. I mean, it truly is the epic learning space on environments, on, uh, um, on animals, animal behaviors. I mean, it's, it truly is the, the ultimate place. And the war on that is, is real and it's, and it's happening. So, yeah, it's so sad again, bring up the science. We need more science and less politics into wolf conservation. Yeah, I wish we could do that more in, in, in all animals. I mean, grizzly bear, they're already planning setting uh, laws into place to decimate that. You know, this is, uh, this is a larger picture than, than just predators. And I think that we really need to take a look at this. And that is, this is a war on our public lands. And I had a mentor who has passed his, he was a commissioner at, at, at FWP. He was a great man. And his name is Ron Moody. And we miss him dearly. But Ron yelled at me years ago. He said, open your eyes. Wolves are a small portion of the very big picture. And the big picture is public lands. And Ron Moody is on my shoulder every moment of every day. And every moment of every day, I go, I hear you. I hear you. Because it's true. This is a public lands issue. This is a privatization issue. This is a commercialization issue. They are commercializing our wildlife. And we're going to lose that if people don't start listening and start standing up for what is ours. And that's public lands. We have to fight for our lands or they will go to a private sector where they, people will have to pay astronomical fees to hunt, to fish, and to recreate on these lands. It's real and it's happening. So 
that's that's the scary part um and it starts by killing off our predators yeah i mean i think we see that with trophy hunting in places like africa you know, after you got, you know, look at our lions, look at our elephants, look at, I mean, we can just go off to this, you know, how many species do we have to lose before we recognize that we have a, we have an obligation to this land. And if we don't start realizing that we are connected, I don't care if you live in a big city or you live in the, you know, the rural outback of Montana, right? We have an obligation to protect and to savor what we have left and i just feel people are so disconnected and don't realize the connection that we do have it's important yeah of course well thank you for that you um, bet so next why are wolves so crucial and why is it worth saving them because i get asked that a lot too and i think you'd be able to answer that better wow you know it's a great question and i think that you know there's there's so many answers to that but i mean we can get as as controversial, which really I don't understand the controversy because it's it's there, um, you know, trophic cascades. There is a, you know, trophic cascade, it's, it's a, a way of just saying when you take something out or put something in once to our environments, right? So when we took and we, we lost wolves for 70 plus years, we saw what was happening, especially in the Yellowstone, because it is a polarized place, right? You've got this ability to see what's happened to our, our willow, what happened to our aspen, what happened to our beaver, blah, 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 right? The ungular herds were massive. I had a legislator years ago, and I do smack my head because of what he said. I'm like, you make zero sense to me, but it makes sense as to what I'm dealing with. And, you know, he said, there was a time when I could go into Yellowstone and I could throw a rock in any direction and hit an elk. Well, now I can't. And I'm like, um, you shouldn't be able to hit an elk with a rock in any direction, right? That's, it was so overpowerful. Uh, there were so many ungulates because they just didn't have any predators. So when you take away those predators, we have a problem. Well, we've seen that change. And I'm not going to say trophic cascade is everything and it's the only reason why, but it's a very big component. Um, and wolves are that, they were missing, right? And so when we brought them back, Ungulate herds started to move around, right? They started to become healthy. They started to lessen. We found a balance in, in the ecosystems. So they're incredibly important from keeping ungulates into, into uh, uh, keeping ungulate balances. They're all the way down to, you know, the, the microbes in the soil from kills and how that, you know, they, and birds, and we can go on and on and on. So very important, extremely important. They're incredibly important to the grizzly bear habitat, actually. So missing that component was horrendous for our environments. And since they've come back, we've seen incredible, incredible things happening. And the studies in Yellowstone alone, I mean, you can look up different studies from, you know, Ripple and Williams, you know, these are peer reviewed where they're showing that trophic cascade is, is something that is a reality. And uh, so that in and of itself is huge. I've mentioned the economic aspect of wolves in, in Yellowstone, but just the environmental alone is, is, I think, and that's everywhere, right? That's not just Yellowstone. So we can pop out of Yellowstone and get into these other, other areas where we've seen them. So healthy ungulates, healthy ecosystems. I think uh, we don't give wolves enough credit for, for what an important role they play. So that's huge. Yeah. I also recommend for people listening to 
watch How Wolves Change Rivers. That's yeah. one of my favorite short films. I've watched it like 30 times. Yeah. And, and you know, I'll, I'll be honest, it's one of mine too. And I love it. And the problem with that is that people that are in the opposition say, oh, it's a crock and you're giving the wolves. You know what? It's a simplification. Okay. Not everybody's going to sit down and read a peer reviewed, you know, paper and, and be like, oh, well, that's exciting. You have to, you know, we have to simplify. I'm not saying that because people are stupid, because God knows I need simplification, but it helps us to recognize without it being this, you know, insane paper that you have to read. But it's factual. There's so many facts in there and there's truths. And, you know, opinions, everybody's got them. You, you know, you can have all your own opinion, but you can't have your own facts. And there are facts in that. So, um, yes, they have changed rivers. They've changed how ungulate herd have they're healthy again, right? And that's a problem. There's so many anti-wolf people, I want to say, not so many, but propaganda that's out there that they're killing all the elk herds and, and they're decimating moose and they're de blah, 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 blah. You know, I want to put this into perspective really quick. In the state of Montana, back in 1995, prior to the reintroduction of wolves, we had approximately 90, 95,000 elk on the landscape in Montana, okay? Now I'm going to go, Fast forward to today, okay, we're going to say 2021, 2022, I don't care, 2020, whatever. We have approximately 135 to 140,000 elk on the landscape. I'm not sure who does math incorrectly, but that's an addition. And I'm not saying wolves are doing that. What I'm saying is, is that they are not decimating elk herds, okay? So they're, they're, they're healthy healthy elk herds that are moving around and so on and so forth. What we have is lazy hunters. And I'm going to be rude like that because these folks were able to go to a certain area, stand there, have an elk, turn around and look at them, shoot them and go home. You have to hunt. You know, you have to hunt. You have to get out of your truck. You have to walk. You have to go in and you actually have to do hunting. So no, they're not killing all the elk herds. Um, ranchers, they're decimating my cattle. No, no, they're not. You know what? Yes. Are there uh, a predation on, on cattle and sheep? Absolutely. And those are concerns. And I respect and understand ranchers who are losing them. This is a livelihood and they do love and care for these animals. Um, I'm not going to take that away from them. However, uh, depredation is incredibly low. Um, it was less than 100 cattle last year in the state of Montana. And that's 2.8 million cattle, 2.6, 2.8 million cattle on the landscape. Caveat. These ranchers get three times, it's a multiplier, three times the going rate for any depredation they have from wildlife. So if I buy a cow for $500 and it gets killed by a grizzly, a lion, or a wolf, I get $1,500, you know, or whatever that going rate would be for that animal. I'm sorry, but it sounds like I would be voting for as many carnivores, you know, as many, <laughs> as many apex predators as I could and opening it up. To me, that's a scary thing. It's seven times in the state of Wyoming. So I guess I'm calling those things out because there's this, this need to feel sorry for, but you've got legislation in these states that, make, that makes it profitable for ranchers to lose animals. So are we gonna go back, every cow became the prize heifer, right? And now it's worth much more. Is that what they're setting this up for? So no, ungulates are high. In, in Idaho, it's almost the highest they've ever seen in the history in their uh, uh, elk populations. So they got to get rid of that. They got to get rid of the fact that they're losing all their cattle and sheep. That's not true. 
it, it's just that, you know, we have to get over this and just recognize this is, uh, you know, it goes back to the Little Red Riding Hood, these fears. And I think that's the bottom line, right? We, we, we hate what we fear. And this is huge. These guys are all scared. And that's a scary thing to be, right? Because this is what we're fighting is fear and nothing more. And a, an unwillingness to change, an unwillingness to, to mind a business asset. And that's a sad thing because people have had their ability to do whatever they want with our public lands forever. And to say now, no, you have to mind your business assets. Uh, it, it, it angers some people. And we're in a society right now, which is really scary, that people are like, don't tell me what to do. And it's like, but it's your business. Yeah. Mind it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up like Little Red Riding Hood because I had written down like, oh, how children's stories depict wolves in these bad lights. And that's when I was a kid, I was like, oh, wolves are scary. Coyotes are scary. And then I got older and I learned that with through science that they're not, they're amazing. And I interned at a wolf center and I was like, wow, these are amazing animals and they're so necessary and crucial. Yeah. And they're truly, I mean, the first, <laughs> the first time I spent, you know, I spent a lot of time in the backcountry of Yellowstone National Park. And the first time I, I want to say that I, I don't want to say came in contact with, but I guess it's the only way, but is I had seen a wolf print in the mud uh, heading back, uh, this is years ago, heading back into Cascade Lake, which is in the middle of the park. And I was like, interesting. So I got up really early the next morning, which don't ever do this. But anyway, I got up really early the next morning and it's, not even quite light yet. It's just kind of uh, still a little dark outside. And I'm cruising down this trail and it opens up into this really big, vast open field. And uh, I, uh, I look over and I went, oh, and then you could tell it was this black wolf in the middle of the, in the middle of the field, in the middle of the meadow. And just by its puffiness of its face, I'm like, oh my God, it's a puppy, right? Because this is probably uh, July, August. And I went, oh, I felt so guilty because I could tell he was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And this goes back to uh, um, a wolf pack that is no longer around. And I, um, I'm like, okay, I got to do something because I know he wants to get across this track, you know, this trail. And I look above and I see another little older gray wolf. So I know this pack a little bit. And I'm like, oh my God, I've just separated the pack. So I'm like, should I keep going through and get to the other side? Should I back up? What do I want to do? You know, I got a little confused. So instead, I'm like, I'm just going to head into the woods a little bit and then back up. Well, the tree line's about 25 yards from me. And this little guy over here is howling, which my heart is breaking. And the other gray wolf is howling. And I'm like, oh, my God, I've created chaos. And I go to turn to head into the woods 25 feet from me. And uh, I know the wolf. It's the alpha male. And I thought, he comes out and he sees me. He's a big, he was a big boy. He comes out and, and literally he squeals. And he's like, Arr! and runs back into the woods. And I did. For one moment, I just stopped and went, are you kidding me? This is the big bad wolf. This is an alpha male, right? And I kind of giggled, felt bad, you know, got way back. You know, I, I went back where I came from and just huddled down the, into the woods a little bit and just let them do their thing. But the howls and, you know, that you could just feel it. And, but I thought, people are afraid of. And I'm like, you are so, this is funny, right? This is funny. So not so big and bad. They're more afraid than, than, uh, than we, have, we ever should be, right? 
I fear my own kind more than I fear anybody else and you know wolves yes very true I feel the same exact way yep yep they're awesome okay so next question so for people listening and they're saying oh wow now I care about wolves I hope everyone listening already came in loving wolves but if you didn't and now you learned about them how can you how can people protect wolves from home if they're in the east coast like me and yeah. don't have wolves naturally outside continue to educate yourself that's the first thing right continue to educate yourself i mean we're losing wolves at an astronomical rate like i said idaho's already killed over 500 wyoming they've killed already 57 and there's one zone still open and that's right along the other edge of yellowstone and we're at, as of yesterday, we're at 160 wolves in Montana. Now, I want you to understand, these, these hunting seasons start in September, and in Montana should end the end of March, but they could very easily extend that. They've made that apparent that they can extend this. Idaho's doing it year-round. You know, I mean, this is scary stuff. They're trying to kill off our wolves. And, you know, I, I can't explain that enough. So my suggestion for anybody who wants to help our wolves, first and foremost, go to relistwolves.org and take a look. That is our national effort to relist our wolves so that we can take a look and have the Fed look at management practices across the United States and say, this is not okay we have to manage them better. That's what we want. We don't want them to live on the endangered species list. That's not what it's there for. But we do need them to be relisted in order to get these states to snap out of this need to kill predators and recognize good management. So relistwolves.org is phenomenal. The other thing is, um, when you have educated yourself some more, and you can always come to us at Wolves of the Rockies, you can email me, you can, you know, whatever you need, I will be happy to help with that. But you know, call your senators. Every state has a senator or senators, right, that have that ability to vote on this relisting, that have a chance to go onto these letters um, and, and say, no, we need to relist. So contact your state senators, let them know we need to relist our wolves. Now, when it comes to our Yellowstone wolves, when it comes to our Western wolves, we're a little bit different because Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming were delisted on the back of a rider by John Tester, the senator in Montana, who's still available. When wolves were delisted, he put them on the back of the rider. And one of the things was, is that you could not just relist wolves. So Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming need the administration, the Secretary of the Interior, someone like that to put them on the endangered species list again. We're not looking for that. What we need is an emergency relisting. That is going to help us get them back on. And that's 240-day relisting. And what happens at that point, Fed comes in and says, what are you guys doing in these states? You know, we need to change this and recognize the, uh, the absolute devastation of what's happening and the practices for which they're, they're killing our wolves and the fact that they really don't know how many wolves we actually have on the landscape changes that up. So anyway, so when you contact these senators, in the states, Montana, Idaho, and Wyoming, we need a relisting, an emergency relisting, a 240-day emergency relisting. I'll get it right one of these days. And we need that in order to, to, to create and, and to see better practices, uh, management practices in these states. So contact your senators, contact the administration, contact Department of Tourism, and let them know that you know, do you realize how much money you will lose if you continue this practice? let alone the fact that why would I want to come into a state 
that you know is 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 decimating wolf populations. However, I tell people come into our states, get out here. But when you make those phone calls to say, hey, I need a place to stay for a week, how do you feel about wolves? And if they say, eh, don't really like them, say, you know what, I'm going to call somebody else. We need people to recognize wolves are not the demon, and they make their livelihoods in a lot of ways by this. So you are you are proactive um, when searching for lodging, gas, food, uh, as to how people feel about our wildlife. And that means bears, that means wolves, that means lions, we need predators. So always be very vocal about why you're in a state, why you are, what you're there to see, that kind of stuff. But yeah, contacting and, and come see us at, at Wolves of the Rockies. You know, we, uh, we've got our information up our Relist Wolves campaign. If you're uh, um, Instagram and TikTok and all that, we have our hashtag Relist Wolves. Um, and that's a campaign that, that we are really proud of. So that'll give you information there as well. Awesome. I'll definitely put that link, relistwolves.org, in the description so people can just easily click it because um, that's super important. I think that's the whole big thing is if we can talk about wolves until the cows come home, but if there's no wolves, you can't. <laughs> we have nothing to talk about again, right? Yep. For sure. So another question is, how can someone who's interested in a career in something like wolf conservation or wolf biology get into this field? <laughs> Read a lot. Educate yourself. Get good grades. Find out how you can volunteer if you can do that. Intern if you're already, you know, at that point. You know, wolf biology is, uh, it's pretty, uh, and, and I, I will never say this to anybody because I had teachers back in the day say, ah, you don't want to do that. It's saturated field. And it breaks my heart because I would be doing exactly what I always wanted to do if I would have never listened. But it is a really saturated field because of the fact that everybody, you know, it's, it's becoming, you know, such a, an incredible heartfelt thing, right? But you want to be really good. You want to be well-educated on your own. And I think interning as best you can in any field, whether that's Minnesota or wherever you can, wherever there are wolves, get that internship, get those peer-reviewed papers, you know, really, really, really do your, your justice to, to put that time in because we need more people out there outside of the national park system who are not going to be swayed by state agency propaganda to do the right things for our for our, uh, our predators so yeah man get out there and volunteer and learn learn everything you can and then apply it yeah that's super awesome and important because i feel like even out out here on the east coast where we don't have wolves anymore <laughs> because they've been all hunted and moved out um more importantly hunted <laughs> but you can still learn about wolves here. You can still, there's wolf centers, there's books that you gave me before. I really, I'll put them in the description as well that people can read. Important everywhere, even if you're not there. Listen, there's phenomenal, there's phenomenal, you know, um, peer-reviewed papers out there. And I'm really big on, on that because I think that, you know, that's the point is to have people really high in their field, um, studying, researching, doing what they have to do and putting them out there and having, you know, their peers tear the papers down and, you know, that kind of stuff. Because I think it's important. Science is so important. And we're losing focus on science and it's not becoming important in today's uh, environment. And we need to bring that back because science is so important, right? It's so important. And that's what people like you are bringing about is getting that back out there. My generation, 
needs to get the hell out of the way and let you guys do the best thing possible. And people like me with Wolves of the Rockies, we're, you know, we're kind of setting a platform, I think, for you guys to take over at some point in time and go, yeah, generations, uh, and I'm, gonna, I'm a Gen Xer, so it's generations before me. But anyway, you know, typical, right? Um, but generations that just didn't put the emphasis on how important our, our uh, apex predators are, we got to bring that back. We're going to lose them. And so to me, man, it, it's, it's just so important to, to get people like you out there and read these books from the past. Read books like Wolf Wars. Read books like Shadow Mountain from Renee Astin, who truly is a hero of mine and somebody that when I read that book, I went, holy crap, I want to be her because she was a badass. You know, people like Doug Smith, who their whole careers has been based on giving us such important information out of Yellowstone National Park, you know, Decade of the Wolf. I mean, I can go on and on. My friend Carter Niemeyer, huge important uh, person in the reintroduction. So yes, read, 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 read and study. It's huge. Yep, super important. And it's true. We need, we need people this age to start getting out there and taking hold of science because science at the end of the day, while science can prove science wrong, science at the end of the day, and it's coming out constantly and anyone can be a scientist. Just read, get educated. Yes. You don't have to have a degree necessarily, right? But you just have to have some actual knowledge, right? We can all form an opinion, but you can't form your own facts. So it, you've got to keep going. And to me, I, the thing I love about science is that it's always moving forward. There's that ability to disprove, you know? It's always that ability to go, oh, wait, here, let's keep going up, right? So we need that because it's constantly evolving. That's why we are who we are today is because we've had that ability to continue to evolve and science is so important and so we can't lose it. So I, I really, really, really am excited to see your age really grabbing this baton and, and rolling with it. It's huge. Yeah, I'm excited to see where we go with it and hopefully we, we can do it in time to save the animals that we do have and save them before they, they go extinct. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Huge. I'm excited. So my last question for you, this one's kind of a fun one. I think it's the one where people, I get this one a lot and funny because I always thought about this too when I was a little kid. Do wolves howl at the moon? <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Don't we all howl at the moon? It's a big light <laughs> and it allows light to shine out over the, the, the you know, um, the landscapes and so you howl at each other and you're talking to one another I mean that's what howling is is just communication so absolutely I suggest everybody get out there and howl at the moon <laughs> so there you have it howl at the moon everyone howl at the moon yes yes so that's all I have is there anything else that you want to put in for people you know no I, I really appreciate the time I really do um, continue to do what you do. Check us out at, at, at wolvesoftherockies.org if you want to help us out. You know, like I said, send me an email, whatever, Kim, at wolvesoftherockies.org. I'd be happy to answer any questions. Um, if you can donate, please do. Litigation is expensive, so I thank you for that. And absolutely check out relistwolves.org and hashtag relistwolves. You'll see some really important stuff out there as well. And just keep howling. Stay wild. 
that's it. Awesome. Thank you so much. And for everybody listening, I will put those websites into the description again, so you can just easily click them. But thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's been my pleasure. So there you have it, everyone. Make sure to go howl at the moon. Make sure to go onto those links that I will add in the description to help save the Yellowstone wolves and wolves in general. And remember to stay angry and go create positive environmental change.